Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm listening to some loud snoring over here, the dog. <laughs> um, it's good to be here with y'all. It's good to see you all. Um, I'm just going to share a couple of brief announcements first. Uh, the first one, which maybe you heard about already, maybe you didn't, but um, I have started a video series based on my translation of the Tao Te Ching. Um, I told Rhoda and Jacqueline that I expect it will take me two to two and a half years to complete. Um, but let me just show you where you can go and find this easily uh, if you are interested in following this video series. It's going to be posted on the Awakening Together website under Regina's Audios, Most Recent Teachings. And you can see it's right here, doubted the data ching. And if I click on that, this is the home page. But then underneath that is where the videos will be posted. Right now, there's only one. And when I click on that, you can see the, the first video right there. So again, if you're interested in, in watching those videos under Regina's audios at the Awakening Together website, most recent teachings, the data ching. And... Uh, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> um, also, I just want to say that next week is the first Wednesday in October. And usually I'm not here the first Wednesday because Helen is, but this time it will be different. Helen will not be here next week. So that means that I will be. So I thought I would let you all know that too. And uh, I guess, um, Anne, I was listening to you this morning. So you better send me that proposal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, I think I'll embarrass Shauna a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I was listening to Shauna's inquiry program on Sunday, and uh, it was excellent. It was uh, a brilliant inquiry. So I just wanted to share that in case anybody wants to go back and, and listen to it. It was a very, very good inquiry. Um, I also to say Shauna that I also listened to you facilitating the reflections on the fear retreat and you are a much better facilitator than you think you are um, so I think it's important that you accept that <laughs> anybody else want to be embarrassed <laughs> Rhoda shaking her head no real big <laughs> all right well then I'll stop doing that I'll stop doing that and I will move on to um, out of the stillness and seven steps to awakening. And it looks like today we're going to start with 309. So 309 in the seven steps to awakening says, it is by your consent that the world exists. Withdraw your belief in its reality and it will dissolve like a dream. And as a reminder, we are in step two of the seven steps to awakening. And let me just go back and read the objective for step two to you. This is the objective for step two. Know that the world is a dreamlike illusion. Know that all of the following are dreamlike illusions. 
the world, the body, the universe, all dimensions, all events, motions, and actions, time. Almost all of the words in a dictionary describe dreamlike illusions. So that's the objective of step two. And, and we can really see how quote number 309, which is from Nizargadatta Maharaj, really points toward uh, that objective. It is by your consent that the world exists. Withdraw your belief in its reality and it will dissolve like a dream. So what I'm going to do is shift to my journal. And of course, uh, that's out of the stillness. And of course, as you guys know, the purpose of the journal was um, me contemplating these quotes. But what I was seeking was truth. And in fact, uh, what I was seeking was a direct experience of the truth. And so when we're listening to what I wrote in the journal, I think it's important to keep that in mind, that I was contemplating these quotes, but I was seeking, I'm going to use the word personal truth. And by personal, I mean, you know, I don't want to know that Nizar Gadada knows it. I want to know it right here, right? Uh, a direct experience of truth. So let's look at how I, with that in mind, let's look at how I contemplated quote 309. What am I? Am I this body? A woman in a world that is bigger and more influential than me? Or am I the dreamer of the world? Did we already do this one? Okay. They all sound familiar to me, I guess. Or am I the dreamer of the world and this body? both of which are dream. Is it possible that I am that which is beyond both the world and the dreamer of the world? How can I know or discover the truth of what I am? It seems that if I play the part of the body, the woman in the world, my experience will remain as the woman. This does not feel most helpful if I want to experience full discovery of what I am. It seems that if I play dreamer of the world, watching thoughts and manipulating the dream through thought, I will move from the perception that I am the body, but I will not discover if I am that which is beyond the dreamer and the world. It seems the most helpful practice is to lose interest in the world and thoughts about the world while focusing on present isness. Intuition says this is the most helpful practice if the goal is to discover the full truth of what I am. And so this is the practice I choose. You know, when I read that now, what I can see in it are the four principles of God. And I, and, uh, I suspect that I had not yet discovered the four principles of God. Um, I would have to go back and really look at the timing of when each of these quotes were written. But I did discover the four principles of God while, while uh, reading and contemplating the seven steps to awakening. And I remember it was in around May or June of 2012 
But at the rate that I was, you know, I was spending all day contemplating these, I'm guessing that 309 was probably earlier in the year. So I don't think that I had yet really discovered through direct experience the four principles of God yet. And yet, uh, I can see those principles right here in a way. Of course, they're in Nizargadatta. Oh, no, they were in the they were in Michael Langford's introduction to chapter two as well. Right. Because he lists the things that are really the fourth principle of God. Uh, let's see. Where was that? But I found it easily last time. OK, here we go. He lists the things that are in the fourth principle of God, the world, the body, the universe all dimensions, all events, motions, and actions, and time. And of course, that's actually only a partial list. So then he goes on to say, almost all of the words in a dictionary describe dreamlike illusions. So he's pointing to the fourth principle of God there and saying none of that is true. And what's happening here when I'm contemplating quote 309 is I'm kind of starting at that level. I'm saying, am I this body? Am I a woman in a world? And the truth is, the answer, the honest answer at that time would have been, I don't know. It seems like it, right? It seems like it. But what I'm looking at here is how can I discover if that's not true, right? How can I, if I'm wrong about the fact that I'm a, a woman in the world, how can I discover that's not true? And again, I want to discover it for myself. I don't want to believe Nizargadatta. I don't want to believe Michael Langford. I want to know from my own experience what's true here. And then the th second thing I look at, based on the language, I would say is coming from A Course in Miracles, but we would now know it today as probably the third principle of God. Am I the dreamer of the world? You know, that's a step up right? The one who is actively dreaming, the process that is actively dreaming this world. Am I that? Um, but there must have been an intuition. I, I don't remember having knowledge, not even intellectual knowledge. There must have been an intuition that there must be something even beyond the dreamer. Because I'm, I'm looking at this, am I, am I the dreamer of the world or am I that which is beyond both the world, the fourth principle of God, and the dreamer, the third principle of God. Is it possible that I am beyond both? And so, again, I'm asking, how can I know? How can I find out for myself? And the answer that comes to me is, stop playing the part. You know, if I play the part of the woman in the world, that's probably right where my experience is going to stay. And how do you play the part of a person in the world? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I am entirely invested in her values, her beliefs, her point of view, right? Entirely invested in that as if they're my values, my beliefs, my point of view, et cetera. So it seems like if I'm going to quit playing the part of her, I need to say, see that those are a part of her as a character, but they're not me. So um, let me see if I can pick out a value, uh, a clean house. You know, that's, that's one of the values that I have had, a clean house. 
And, um, you know, more than once I've lived with people who leave things laying around still do to this day, <laughs> you know, and I'm the kind of person I use something and put it back, use something and put it back. Right. But lots of people use something, lay it down. And, and in fact, um, you know, Ron will set something down, I think just because he doesn't know what else to do with it. And it'll set there for months, you know, so, uh, so the, the count, the kitchen is a, a little more cluttered than Regina would like it. And the bedroom, he even sets stuff on the floor. I mean, it's it's actually neatly stacked. It's not like Laurent who just threw things, right? He has it neatly stacked on the floor. <laughs> but you know, there's stuff sitting around on the floor, which probably if it was up to Regina, you know, that if it was up to Regina, when you walked in the house, you could take a picture of it and put it in a magazine. Okay, you guys got the image? Like pretty much all the time, unless I just finished cooking, right? <laughs> or something like that. So, so what I have to do then is I have to, to look at that. Am I the one who wants this clean house? Is that who I am? And, you know, the honest answer that might come up is I actually don't know. But why don't we try an experiment? Or as you guys often know, I call them games. Why don't we try an experiment? Why don't we try uh, being looser on the house being clean? You know, I still think certainly it's good to have a certain amount of cleanliness around you, <laughs> but let's be a lot looser on the house being clean. And let's see if I still am. Let's see if I am that value or not. Because if I am that value, I can't exist without it, can I? And and you can see that you can actually, you could actually sit down and Regis, are you on TV? Everybody look at our famous friend, Regis. He's on TV. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> um, you know, you could sit down and write down some important values to you, for example. Let's just stick with values. Uh, and then you could try to loosen them or live without them entirely, depending on, on what they are. And then just see if you still exist. And what you start teaching yourself is you can't be that personality because that personality is literally a collection of these values, of these beliefs, of these points of view. And if you can be without them, then you aren't that, right? Uh, the problem is, and I'm sure you all are aware of this, is that most of us don't try or play at living it without those things. Instead, we fight for them. We defend them fiercely. So then what are we teaching ourselves? We're teaching ourselves that I am that woman in the world, or I am that man in the world. So it's fun. Sometimes it's a, a, not fun, but it can be fun to first sit down and make up a list of what makes up the personality of this person and then say, okay, can at least some of these things, can I start living without? And then maybe I can start living without more of those things. And then maybe I can start living without more of those things. And what happens at some point is that you begin to notice yourself, meaning the body, mind, personality, this, you know, whoever this is, you begin to notice yourself as spontaneity. 
And that's very different than seeing yourself as a person. Right? So practice living as not you and see what happens. Not whoever that 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 personality is. Practice living as not you and see what happens. So if we go back to the journal, it seems that if I play the part of the body, the woman in the world, my experience will remain as the woman. This does not feel most helpful if I want to experience full discovery of what I am. Why would I keep myself limited to that littleness if I want to try and discover if I'm more? I should at least try to let go of that littleness, right? Makes sense to me anyway. I wrote it in my journal. Then the next paragraph. It seems that if I play dreamer of the world, watching thoughts and manipulating the dream through thought, I will move from the perception that I am the body, but I will not discover if I am that which is beyond the dreamer of the world. This we could call, you know, nowadays we would kind of call this the law of attraction. You know, this is the, this dreamer level, uh, you know, which is, you know, I would call it kind of uh, realizing yourself as the third principle of God. I don't call that an awakening, but realizing yourself as the third principle of God, and then starting to notice when you are thinking thoughts that are not helpful uh, or not what you want and replacing them with thoughts that are more helpful or more in what you want. And then looking at the experience to see if the experience has changed, to see if the experience is kind of manipulated by the fact that you're changing your thoughts. And this is a phase that I think many of us go through. I certainly went through that phase, so I'm not putting that phase down at all. Um, in fact, what I found is that, uh, you know, just like I, at one level, I am a woman in the world who likes a house clean. At another level, I am the dreamer of the dream and I can manipulate my thoughts and therefore, and, and form will follow. But is that all that I am? See, that's the question. Is it possible that I am beyond that? And I came to the same conclusion. It seems like uh, if I want to find out if I am beyond that, then I need to let go of that. And so for me, uh, I'll tell you what letting go of being the dreamer looked like. For me, letting go of being the dreamer, the solution to that was surrender. So instead of me determining, for example, um, you know, when we were looking for a retreat house, instead of me determining that I want a specific place as the retreat house and putting all of my energy into envisioning us in that particular place. Um, it, I felt to trust that whatever was to be given was the perfect place. I felt not to be firm in trying to envision a, a particular place. So, you know, that's an example, but that's true with, with my entire life. Um, I felt to give up trying to use focus on thought or focus on thought images as a way of manipulating the world. Like I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't focus on, I will always have plenty of money. I wouldn't do that. Um, I would not focus on uh, healing my own body or I will always have perfect health or name it. 
name it, name it. Um, I felt that the best I could do through that type of visioning was learn that I'm the dreamer in the dream. But that felt like still a limit to me. Uh, that did not feel like finding out that I'm beyond that. And so it it seemed to me that surrender was the best option. And, and for me, I'll tell you, surrender and trust go together. And it's not the type of trust that's trusting, I will always have enough money or I will have a healthy body or, or whatever. It's trusting that whatever happens is perfect, right? That's it's that type of trust. I call it unconditional trust. So for me, it felt like it was more helpful to move into surrender and trust than to try and manipulate form through focus on certain thoughts or certain thought images. So the way I wrote that is, it seems the most helpful practice is to lose interest in the world and thoughts about the world while focusing on present isness. So, and of course, those of you who are playing my games, you know, this became really big for me. So as things happen, what I focused on was noticing the changeless nature has not changed. You know, whether the stock market is going up or whether the stock market is going down, the changeless nature is the same. Whether the body is feeling, you know, wonderful or whether the body is in a lot of pain, the changeless nature is the same. And I'll just confess to you, the body's in a lot of pain today. <laughs> uh because yesterday I had another accident. Aren't I good at that? <laughs> so yesterday uh, my I was walking my dog and she went into some pretty tall weeds. And then she started fighting with something and I, and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't see what she was fighting with. And, you know, there's always the possibility of rattlesnakes around here. So I jerked her really fast, really hard and fast in order to get her away from whatever she was fighting with. Of course, chances are by that point, she'd already bitten, but I was jerking her really hard and really fast. And I jerked her so hard and so fast that I fell straight back on the paved sidewalk. Um, and, and, you know, I hit my head. That's what I noticed then I hit my head. But what I can notice now is that my neck, my back and my tailbone are all pretty painful today. So I really just hit my whole backside. Uh, but I think it's funny. Uh, because one thing we do is go roller skating. And I've talked to you all about this fear that sometimes shows up. Sometimes when you go roller skating, there's these kids that really are not careful. <laughs> and the thought that's been in my mind is, you know, what if I fall? I'm older now. You know, what if I fall? What if somebody knocks me and I fall? Well, I found out that I can fall just fine. <laughs> Flat. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but the point is, whatever happens, Whatever happens, the changeless nature is the same. It actually, it does not change. The thoughts may change, maybe. Uh, the feeling in the body certainly changes. But the changeless nature of awareness never changes. It doesn't matter if, you know, yesterday the body felt fine and today the body is in pain. It is completely 100% irrelevant. So, as I pay attention to this isness, as you guys know, the more you pay attention to this isness, pay attention to this changeless nature, the more your identity starts to gravitate towards it. Right? The woman, at least from my experience now, the woman in the world is still here. Uh, uh, 
the third principle is still active, but I begin to see that I am something that is untouched by all of that. That I am something that uh, you can't put into words. You know, people try, but you can't put it into words. And I'm always here and I'm always now. So what do I learn through my direct experience? I am beyond that woman. I am beyond that third principle. What am I? Is sounds like a pretty good word to me. I think I told you all before that I sat down to write down everything that I could absolutely verify as true. And the only two things I could write down were here now. You know, some people might call that presence, right? Um, but I couldn't find anything else that was absolutely true. Everything else that I found as, ab as, as uh, who I am beyond those two things felt like a concept. So, again, it seems the most helpful practice is to lose interest in the world and thoughts about the world while focusing on present isness. Intuition says this is the most helpful practice if the goal is to discover the full truth. I love that. The full truth of what I am. And so this is the practice I choose. And again, the games were ways that I did that. In fact, I would say I really started playing the games in 2012. The games really rose up. Uh, the very first game I remember playing was in India. I was in India with a friend and it was either late November or early December of 2011, the very first game. And those of you who know the games, the very first game was the picture game. That's the first game I ever played. All of the other games, so as you can imagine, started arising after, after late 2011, which means they really started arising in 2012 as I was contemplating the seven steps to awakening and, and writing what we now call out of the stillness. So uh, the games were a, a major part of recognizing the truth of what I am. And that moves us on to three. Oh, by the way, something else to say. I heard you guys talking about today when you quit, uh, when you finish with my 50 games, how you might then start coming up with your own games. I think that's brilliant, right? I was very, very happy to hear that. I think that's brilliant. That's great. Okay, number 311 then is where we're headed next. Uh, yeah, Lynn is saying there's a difference between cleanliness and clutter. And, and, and to some degree, that's kind of how Ron is a little different than Laurent. Like I said, Laurent would just throw stuff on the floor. Uh, Ron has everything neatly stacked on the floor. <laughs> I think, and, and you know, we're building this new house and the new house will each have our own closets. And I think that will help, you know, eliminate some of that. Cause I think he'll probably put it in his closet. I think we just don't have enough space in this house for all of his stuff and all of my stuff too. And I plan on getting rid of most of my stuff. So I won't have much stuff when we move out of here. Okay. So number 311, starting with the seven steps to awakening. The world cannot give what it does not have. 
unreal to the core. It is of no use for real happiness. It cannot be otherwise. We seek the real because we are unhappy with the unreal. Happiness is our real nature and we shall never rest until we find it. But rarely we know where to seek it. Once you have understood that the world is but a mistaken view of reality and is not what it appears to be, you are free of its obsessions. Only what is compatible with your real being can make you happy. And the world, as you perceive it, is its outright denial. And we'll look in a moment at my contemplation of this, but um, certainly we all know that most people seek happiness in the world, right? I mean, that's just that's just what we do. We think happiness is in certain conditions. And I don't remember what brought this desire up in me. It was very early on the spiritual path. I'm sure it was something in A Course in Miracles because that was my primary contemplation at the time. But I remember being very serious about I want to be, I don't know if it was happy or peace, um, but I want to be happy or I want to be at peace under all circumstances. That became like a goal or you could call it a spiritual aspiration. I didn't want conditions in the world to have any effect on me. And this is before I knew anything. I mean, knew anything about I'm not a person in a world. I mean, it was way before any of that. So even as a person in the world, because that's what I knew then, I wanted to beyond being affected. I wanted to be beyond being affected. And of course, what I have realized is that we are beyond being affected. We just have to place our attention on our true self. It's never affected. But I didn't know that then. So uh, a part of what has always led me on this spiritual path uh, was looking at and questioning whenever I thought I was affected, right? Because I had that goal right up front of wanting to be unaffected by everything, just always happy or always at peace or always content. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read this again from Seven Steps to Awakening. The world cannot give what it does not have. Unreal to the core, it is of no use for real happiness. It cannot be otherwise. Um, so if, if my goal is to be unaffected by the world, you can't just be unaffected by the, quote, bad, by the things that your mind would interpret as bad, and then be totally affected by the things that your mind interprets as good, right? In order to let go of being affected, in order to have perfect happiness or perfect peace, you have to let go of being affected by the good and the bad, right? And you can't really do that as a person, not, not the way we've defined a person as this collection of values and beliefs and point of view, because if you if you are believing in the values, beliefs, and point of view, you're always going to be affected, right? So in order to realize, you know, my goal, of eventually, clearly what I had to do was let go of the personality as who I am. 
because you just can't have both at the same time. Uh, so the world cannot give you what it does not have. But I guess what I'm saying is, and the personality, the personality is always going to be an obstacle to realizing that happiness has nothing to do with the world. The world cannot give what it does not have. Unreal to the core, it is of no use for real happiness. It cannot be otherwise. We seek the real because we are unhappy with the unreal. Happiness is our real net nature, and we shall never rest until we find it. But rarely we know where to seek it. Once you have understood that the world is but a mistaken view of reality and is not what it appears to be, you are free of its obsessions. And that's true of the personality too, right? Once you realize the personality is not what you are, you are free of its obsessions. Only what is compatible with your real being can make you happy. So what is compatible with our real being? <laughs> You know, the only thing that I know that's compatible with our real being is, is, right? Just that, just, you know, so, you know, we could call it being, we could call it here now, we could call it presence, but nothing else is compatible with it, but that everything else is allowed, everything else comes and goes, but the only thing that's truly compatible with it is itself, Only what is compatible with your real being can make you happy. And the world, as you perceive it, is its outright denial, right? Because the world is not constant is, right? The world is coming and going, things shifting and changing. Um, so let's go ahead and see how I contemplated that. So number 311 and out of the stillness. To believe the game of woman in the world is to deny the reality of what I am. Supreme joy cannot come from the denial of what I am. Supreme joy can only come from realization of what I am and the choice to be that fully. One cannot be that and be woman also. Therefore, I deny the idea that I am woman. I relax into the isness that I am. So that's really just a, a further uh, a further deepening into the previous contemplation. I think what we're really watching here is we're watching me make a decision and reinforce that de decision to myself. And, I, and I'm guessing that, again, the game that probably came up then is the game that um, I call what is constant. Because I definitely remember playing that game a lot in this particular year, just constantly checking for what is constant as things seem to change, right? What has not changed? What is constant? And which is I, you know, am I that body that was cold and now I put on a sweater and I'm warm or am I that which is constant, that which was there when the body was cold and that which was there now that the body is warm? Right. And, and just really paying attention to that game. That was a, a, a lot of what I did in 2012, as I remember it now. So I think we're just continuing with the same th theme. Um, 
I notice a note, by the way, the note is at the end of 311. It says, note, denying I am woman also means denying that her desires, her ideas, her opinions, and her fears are mine. <laughs> I stop believing the role of woman now. So just, you know, if you got the book, just look at that. Her desires, her ideas her opinions, her fears. And again, you know, what most people do is defend those exact same things, right? This is saying, I have to see, you know, if I throw an idea out on the table and um, and it isn't adopted by the others around the table, I can have no attachment to that. If I see it as my idea and I start trying to convince them that I'm right, I'm playing the role of woman. You know, I can have no attachment to whatever comes out of this mouth. So 312. Do understand that what you think to be the world is your own mind. That's all there is to 312 from Nisargadatta. So let's go look at 312 and out of the stillness. What am I? A woman in a world that is more influential than me? The dreamer of the world? Or that which is beyond both world and dreamer? By focusing on isness instead of the world or thoughts about the world, I choose to accept that which is beyond as my reality. So again, not much to say there. We're just watching me make a decision over and over and over again. Uh, one thing that might be important here is I'm sure we're all aware of the fact that we can set in contemplation and we can have great clarity. And then we can get up and walk away and completely forget about it, right? So I, I think what we're seeing here is that I don't want to do that, right? I want to make this decision firmly. So I'm repeating itself, repeating it to myself over and over and over again. This is the, this is the conscious shift I'm making now, not the miraculous shift, but the conscious shift to focus on what is, is constant as I and to discount the woman and the dreamer as I, right? I, I'm going to discount them, deny them, and, and not, not, the, not the repressive type of denial, but the uh, that's not true. So I am, I'm just going to allow that pile of stuff to sit there on the floor. I don't need it to be clean. That's not who I am, right? Yeah. Three thirteen in a, in a seven steps to awakening. Once you have seen that you are dreaming, you shall wake up, but you do not see because you want the dream to continue. A day will come when you will long for the ending of the dream with all your heart and mind, and be willing to pay any price. The price will be dispassion and attachment, the loss of interest in the dream itself. So let's look at this in a very personal way. 
um, just think of one or two things that are values of your personality that seem really, really important to you. you know, just take a moment to bring those into the mind. And then listen to this again. Once you have seen that you are dreaming, you shall wake up. But you do not see because you want the dream to continue. So what this is telling me is that I want that value more than I want to wake up. I want a clean house more than I want to wake up. I want my daughter to respect me more than I want to wake up. I want my partner to, you know, what do I want from my partner? You know, to be romantic with me sometimes more than I want to wake up. You know, I want, just think of whatever those things are that go with your personality and realize what this is saying is we want those things. That's the problem. We want those personal values more than we want to wake up. Once you have seen that you are dreaming, you shall wake up, but you do not see because you want the dream to continue. A day will come when you will long for the ending of the dream with all your heart and mind and be willing to pay any price. The price will be dispassion and detachment. That's when we start letting go of those personal values. That's when we start letting go of those personal points of view. Because now a shift has happened. We want to wake up more than we want that. And so we start letting them go. When we notice they're showing up, when we notice we're starting to get agitated because we want the house clean, we look right at it. And you know we say something to ourselves like, do I want the house clean or do I want truth realization? And now we want truth realization. So we allow the house to be as it is or whatever it is, right? Do I want a certain man or woman to be elected president or do I want truth realization, right? I always think it's funny when, um, when a presidential election comes along because so many of my uh, spiritual friends start making lots and lots of political posts. You know, what happened? Is is it more important to us who gets elected? So that, you know, for the last six months of a particular year, every four years, we totally forget our goal and we come, become very focused on politics. And in fact, even begin attacking our friends who have a different political point of view. Which is more important to me? Who gets elected president? which party is in power or awakening. See, at some point it becomes awakening and we're willing to pry our fingers off of our political opinions or whatever the thing is, whatever the thing is. See, this is where, it, this is where you know when your desire is getting really strong because some of these things are core to this personality, right? They're core. Uh, and so when you start letting go of what's core to the personality, you know that awakening has really taken precedence in your value system. Once you have seen that you are dreaming, you shall wake up, but you do not see because you want the dream to continue. A day will come when you will long for the ending of the dream with all your heart and mind 
and be willing to pay any price. The price will be dispassion and detachment, the loss of interest in the dream itself. All right, so let's see how I contemplated that. 313, loss of interest in the world and loss of interest in thoughts about the world is the heartfelt decision that is made. This decision is key to awakening because a mind interested in the world makes the world as if it is real. The decision is made and now heart energy must be given to this decision through love and devotion. When love and devotion are given to the decision, they are not given to the world. This is the answer and the way, and it is the way of love. So one thing that really stands out at me in this contemplation is it says when love and devotion are given to the decision, then love and devotion are not given to the world. That love and devotion is going somewhere. <laughs> It may not feel like love or feel like devotion. Sometimes it feels like hate, but look at the passion in it. Even when you're hating someone, isn't there a lot of passion there? That's love and devotion, right? That's love and devotion. So love and devotion is either going to the world or the personality, which is a part of the world, right? What I want. Love and devotion is either going to the world or love and devotion is going away from the world to awakening. So where is my love and devotion now? And again, if you ask that question, remember that love and devotion may not feel like love and devotion. It may feel like hate. It may feel like self-righteousness. It may feel like I got to get my way here or you're out of my life, you know, <laughs> my way or the highway, right? Uh, but it's love and devotion to the world. We're still saying the world is what makes me happy. Certain conditions are what make me happy. And so that's where I'm really going to place my important attention. But when we're ready to awaken, then we start to see the world isn't what makes me happy. I don't need certain conditions to be happy. All I need is to know myself. And that is happiness. And so then I have to, in order to actually do that, you know, I can't say I want to know myself as the ineffective self and still be completely caught up in the world. I mean, it's not going to work. It's being uh, split. And not only that, it's not even really being split. What it really is, is giving all of my love and devotion to the world and having an intellectual idea that I want something different, <laughs> that I want awakening, right? Where my love and devotion goes, that's what I really want no matter what I'm saying. So where is my love and devotion? And is that where I want my love and devotion to be? Or am I willing to shift it now? And really what this means is we're starting to let more and more things be as they are. Right? Because when our love and devotion goes to the world, we're trying to manipulate things to be the way we think we need them to be so that we can be happy. When our love and devotion is going towards awakening and the world is not as important to us anymore because awakening is, we're allowing things to be as they are. We're allowing people to be as they are. We're allowing circumstances to be as they are. That's what it looks like 
practically speaking, right? We're no longer trying to force things to be the way we want them to be. Let's look at a uh, 314. We're getting through a lot today. <laughs> it's because it's all the same thing over and over again. It's not different. 314. <laughs> this is, sounds like Niz, this is Nizar Gadada. It's so perfect. I do not need the world, nor am I in one. <laughs> That's what I'm contemplating here. I do not need the world, nor am I in one. So Regina got a little wordier on that. 314. Who am I? Am I a woman in a world that is more influential than me? This has been the belief. Caught up in this belief, the need to control the world, to make it be my way, has resulted in constant struggle. What is this my way? Who am I? If I am that which is beyond the world, is there any need for the world to be my way? Let's look at that again. If I am that which is beyond the world, is there any need for the world to be my way? Aren't I completely independent of any world appearance? Can the world evoke a struggle? a desire for control or suffering in me. Without belief or identification that attaches meaning to world appearances, can there be suffering? So it's clear that when we really think we need things to be a certain way, we are buying into the fact that the personality is what I am and conditions need to be in a certain way for this personality to be happy. And if we're going to buy into that, that's going to be our experience. It's not going to change. If that's where we're putting our believing, if that's where we're putting our love and devotion, that's what we're going to keep getting. And uh, I can never quote Einstein perfectly, but I know you all know that he said something about you cannot fix a problem at the same level where the problem was created, right? He also said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So both of those quotes apply here. I can't keep being this person acting like this person, believing I'm this person, being attached to her values and her points of view and her opinions and her desires and see that I'm not her. I have to step up to another level, right? I can't stay at that level and see that I'm not her. I have to step up to another level, which is paying attention to what is constant, paying attention to what is unaffected and is already here and is already I. And I have to do something different, which again is not continue to believe in her values, her desires, her opinions, her points of view. It just makes sense. So the question is, what do I want? Do I want, as Nizar Gadada said in a previous quote, for the dream to continue? Or am I ready to awaken? And am I living from that? whatever my choice is. 
right? Am I living from that? Or sometimes it is asking, what is more important to me? That this be this way or that I awaken? You know, what do I really, really want? And then living from my choice to the best that I can. You know, again, there's no such thing as perfection. We all slip and fall. I banged my head and my whole body on the cement last night. We all slip and fall. <laughs> Maybe not as much as I do, but we all do it. <laughs> and now, like I said, now when I'm rolling skating, I'll know I can <laughs> fall. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because what hurts the most is my tailbone. Uh, and, and the way I experience that is it's, it's, uh, it's, it's okay to sit once I'm sitting, but the act of sitting, you know, the act of moving into that position really hurts. But once I'm here, it's okay. Okay. So 315, this is the last Nizargadatta quote in step two. However, great and complete is your world. It is self-contradictory and transitory and altogether illusory. However great and complete is your world, no matter how, how wonderful it seems to you, no matter how true it seems to you, it's self-contradictory and transitory and altogether illusory. So let's look at how I contemplated that. Number 315 and out of the stillness. Can a dream be constant? Isn't change the nature of a dream? And of course, when I wrote this, I was actually thinking about a nighttime dream. That's where I started. So I'm looking at the dreams that I have at night. And they're not constant. They're stories, weird stories, but they're stories, right? There's change going on in those dreams. So change is the nature of a dream. Have you ever, ever, ever? had a dream that was just a constant picture? No, never. That's never happened, right? To anybody. So change is the nature of a dream. That's what I'm noticing here. Can a dream be constant? No, it can't be. Isn't change the nature of a dream? Now take that insight and look at the next paragraph. What is the nature of the world? Isn't the nature of the world the same as the nature of a dream? right? Doesn't it have the same nature, constant change? Can the world be constant? No. If the two have the same nature, why call one a dream and the other reality? Doesn't evidence imply both to be a dream? So this is me, again, just looking. Uh, if they're the same, why do I call them different? Now, you could say that, um, and I think I told you guys about this. Oh, I only have three minutes. So I'll have to say it fast. You could say that nighttime dreams are crazier than daytime dreams. But I think I told you that in an earlier contemplation, when I was sitting there looking at just that thought, that nighttime dreams are crazier than daytime dreams. Uh, it was either a dime or a penny that I had lost two days earlier upstairs, fell and landed right on the table in front of me. And, and it's like, okay, so maybe, um, you know, this daytime life isn't crazy. You know, maybe nighttime dreams aren't crazier than this because that was pretty crazy, right? And in fact, if you really look at the world clearly, you will notice a lot of craziness. 
right? There's absolute craziness here. So that was one idea that I had to let go of was that there was a difference and that nighttime dreams were crazier. You know, each dream maybe has its own types of rules, uh, but daytime dreams break those rules too, right? And now what I'm looking at is the fact they're both constant change. So I'm starting to see, hey, look at that, George and Sina in the same place. Hi. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm starting to see that maybe this difference that I've put on nighttime dreams and daytime dreams or daytime life isn't as different as I like to believe. Right. So that's what I'm looking at here, because I have to look at this, because if I continue to accept this as real. Then everything that I think is important here is important here. If I am going to have dispassion, if I am going to let go of, of these things that keep me believing I'm a woman in a world or that I need certain things for happiness. I have to, at some level, accept this isn't reality, that something else is reality. And so this is one of the reasons this type of inquiry happens where I'm looking at, okay, so there is a possibility that this is a dream. It has this same characteristic. Okay, it is a possibility this is a dream. Here's another characteristic they share. So just honest, honest questioning, because I don't want to believe anybody. I want to find out for myself. And that's it for today. As I mentioned, I will be here next Wednesday. So I'll see you then.